What happened to the weather? <laughs> Good question. Beautiful so day gorgeous. yesterday. Yesterday was yeah. perfect yesterday. Just great. And then all of a sudden, overnight, uh, things moved in and uh, everything changed. My bald head can't take the drizzly weather. <laughs> this is worse than any drizzly weather on a bald guy's head is the worst <laughs> torture ever. <laughs> The raindrops keep falling on your head. I huh? should write a song about yeah, that. Yeah, I think uh, there might be some lyrics in that. Yeah. Something about a guy whose feet, feet are too, too big, big for, for his bed, bed maybe. Same, same Nothing thing. seems to fit. Yeah. <clears throat> Those <laughs> raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> Sing along with Dean. With my pretty, pretty voice that I've got. <laughs> yeah, tonight. right. Exactly. I caught a little something. I think uh, I was in New York uh, last week. That's why I was. That's why we were all gone last week. We all went to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all wanted to go see some Broadway shows. Some of which were closed uh, later in the week because of the smoke, uh, smoke yep. there. Crazy. Yeah. I was in New York doing some interviews, and I must have caught a little bug or something on the plane, or I don't know. I feel fine. Not quite likely. Yeah. Uh, I am wearing a surgical gown right now for when Dr. Most joins us later and give me a full exam. And even lovelier song to start a life together. This was the uh, first dance song by our former producer, Ryan Pollock, who got married on uh, Friday night. And uh, Shawnee was there, Andy was there, I was there. This time I was invited. <laughs> Usually he just shows up. Shawnee uh, smells the mastachola yeah. and uh, comes running normally, but uh, there was an actual... I don't know why you love mastachola so much. If you look outside any Brown's restaurant, you see a Brown's chicken. Shawnee's out there asking people, are you going to eat all that mastachola? I don't know why. It's weird. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was... Uh, gotta have some garlic bread with it, too. Gotta have the garlic bread <laughs> with the mastacholi. It's hand in glove, of course. Uh, but we had a lovely time at the uh, wedding. It was uh, beautiful. Ryan uh, looked very handsome. Uh, his now wife, Alexis, uh, extremely, extremely, extremely beautiful. And uh, it was all very lovely. They really do make a lovely couple, yeah. as they say. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, she would come and visit us frequently on the show. Mm-hmm. When did Ryan leave here? A year, a couple of years ago? A uh, year and a half ago. Ten years ago? A year and a half ago. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> About a year and a half ago. I can't keep track. We go through producers so oh, quick, you know, quickly on the show. You know, we. I forgot to ask him. Friday when we were there about how his reel-to-reel tape recorder is doing. Yeah, that's what a guy wants to talk about on his wedding day. Well, I just, you know, wanted to make conversation. Because <laughs> brides and grooms aren't very busy at all <laughs> on their wedding day. <laughs> Nothing else to think about. I forgot to ask if it had solenoid switches. Yeah. Just no. clean the heads? Yeah. yeah. I'll have to call him later today. Yeah, let's call him right out. now. He's on his honeymoon. Let's call him. <laughs> What could he possibly be doing right now? Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, very interesting. The uh, wedding was at the um, uh, not wait the, not the the Myers Myers Ballroom, mm-hmm. Myers across from the Paramount, right across from the Paramount Theater in Aurora. It's a beautiful space, uh, very very nice, 
Uh, they had uh, the ceremony itself was kind of in the uh, in the greeting area, uh, set up beautifully, and then in the banquet room. Uh, they had uh, a lovely setup for you know food and drink and all that. It'd be really nice. And as the officiant, you uh, you dressed up nicely. Oh, hard to look ugly in tux. Yeah, you were very dapper. I uh, officiated his wedding. Ryan asked me uh, would I officiate the wedding, and uh, of course my response was, "Why in the world do you want me?" <laughs> You know how I don't follow directions. How I, <laughs> if anybody would know more than anyone, it would be any of my producers who can yes. tell you. I don't really follow script very well. Uh, but uh, Boy, I can attest to that. Yeah, see, I'm telling you, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, we uh, we wrote out a few words. Uh, both Ryan and Alexis. Are, uh, they really kind of met in music in college, and uh, they are both musicians. Uh, they are both teachers of music. Uh, their their life uh, really is surrounded by music. So I made the metaphors of you know two like notes joining together to create a song and to create harmonies and so forth. That's Ryan and Alexis are creating this you know song together in the symphony together so uh they were happy they were happy with the whole thing i didn't fall <laughs> i didn't do anything embarrassing uh i was waiting for that though i was trying to work in a far-flung forecast somewhere <laughs> right, right before the vows but uh, ryan would have nothing of that um yeah so we had a it was nice it was a nice nice uh to, for us all to hang out oh yeah together. definitely we rarely do that it was I a like, beautiful evening out there too and i enjoyed the fact that our table was right next to the bar yeah i did request that yeah that was very nice yeah. very convenient <laughs> very, <laughs> very convenient Shwani, i don't want to say anything Shwani can pound them back oh thanks a lot <laughs> Great. Everybody else having a nice Prosecco, <laughs> lovely afternoon drink, lovely afternoon cocktail. Uh, Shawnee comes in with the hard stuff. Yeah. He's pounding back the hard stuff. <laughs> Little Johnny Walker. Yeah. Although I did join him in a Johnny Yes, Walker. you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. In fact, you said I was a bad influence. You were. <laughs> you were. My duties were done, though, as uh, the officiant. I really had nothing else to do. So I figure I can get drunk now. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. well, we had a great dinner and uh, some nice things to, uh, yeah, the cake, the whole bit. Everything was very nice. Yeah. It really was. They had like a little balcony uh, overlooking the uh, fo- beautiful Fox River. And yep. your fan club came out My to join us. Fan club came out to <laughs> join us. In full force. <laughs> That's always nice when you're there to officiate a wedding and people want to talk about Victory Auto Records. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And they were just discussing your car, and you said, that old car is worth money. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That <laughs> uh, We had, a, we had a, a very nice time, and we could not be happier yes. for Ryan and Alexis. They, As uh, you said... Uh, they just could not be a nicer couple. They really are. Or, yeah. ador- so adorable. So adorable, really, it's sickening. <laughs> I liked your musical uh, puns, too, when you said that uh, they're always sharp and never flat. Right. I, well, I said rarely flat. Yeah, rarely flat. Okay. Yeah. 
I didn't want to, you know, never, pressure never on. flat. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. really, who, who's never flat? <laughs> Not on this show. It was very nice. It was very nice. When I officiate Schwanny's work, <laughs> which we anticipate could be happening any time now, by the way. Oh, and by the way, so I am now uh, available now that I'm ordained. Is that the right word? Am I ordained? Yeah, I think you are. You know, when you go online, do you realize how ridiculously easy it is? I was wondering about this. Here's what happened. I went online. I put in my name, maybe my address. I don't even think, maybe my address. I don't know. I put in a couple of bits of information. Nothing, you know, like social security numbers, nothing like that. Super easy information. I hit return on the computer, and suddenly I'm ordained and can do weddings now. (laughs) So do we have to call you pastor or reverend or? Your honor, like you always do. That's fine. Your majesty. When there was one time when we had to call you the great leader. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> I'm wondering, can I perform other ceremonies now, though? I know I can do well, we- well, yeah. No, that's a good question. Was this just for this one event? Well, that's or does all we this... know about right now. But for the right price, I'll come and, you know. You may have to renew this like your driver's license. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. I signed up for the deluxe ordination package. <laughs> <laughs> the deluxe. It's deluxe. You can get several versions depending on, uh, well, I mean. <laughs> You could just be ordained, and it doesn't cost anything. That's the one that comes with a fry and fries and a coke, right? That's what comes with. I got a potato peeler with it, and uh, but you can you can sign up for different levels, and I signed up for the medium level, whatever the medium level was. Okay, so I have a certificate now, and um, yeah, I think that's all. I think that's what I got. The instructions. So you got an actual certificate from this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I got a certificate proving that I am can marry anybody. Anybody wants to get married, come on the show and get married. Ooh. I thought that could be our new feature on the hey, show. Hey, that's not a bad idea. The wedding of uh, yeah, our yeah. wedding segment. Wedding of the week. Wedding of the week. I like it. Yeah. Wedding of the week. Small price. It can be yours. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be on the WGN Morning News. You're I got to monetize the twenty nine dollars I paid for the <laughs> deluxe package. Is that anything like the deluxe apartment in, in the, the sky? sky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I'm wondering, like, if I can do weddings, could I do funerals? Because hmm. that, honestly, that could happen for Shawnee before a wedding. <laughs> really, <laughs> the rate he's gone. <laughs> I can just yeah, with that would happen. That would be you would be the officiant at my funeral. <laughs> I the like service to, will be conducted by the Reverend Dean Richards. I would like to say a few words about officiating my, my late friend, friend Schwani. Schwani, just a few words, and that's how I'm going to call you too. <laughs> and here are the pictures you've all been wanting to see. <laughs> Take a look yeah, at the monitors. Those would be the ones displayed. <laughs> Take a look at the monitors all over the funeral home. You'll see what I was talking about. <laughs> now that nobody can sue him uh, or me oh I, I like to think that i could do a little more with this well but now that i'm a, it's worth investigating technically am i a man of the cloth now um i don't think so. i don't think so because this was not 
religious in any way. F- right. re- we're not affiliated with a religious denomination. No. You know, just the state of Illinois, right? Uh, yes. I guess. I don't or was know. It I just did, zippy dippy licenses. I did that, it on the internet. It may have been with yeah, the king of uh, may have been that king of Nigeria that's been trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> oh, the one that had a million dollars for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um somebody have you te- checked your bank account lately? I, nah, well, that's that's so cumbersome. <laughs> Um, somebody texting in that Don Kleppen is getting married today. Yes, that is, is correct. This afternoon. Newsman Don Kleppen. Our Jess, Jessica here in the newsroom no. is going. I don't want to ask why I wasn't invited I wasn't to officiate. Invited. Well, we weren't invited. Andy, were you invited to? Uh, no. no. None of us here on this show were invited. Well. <laughs> well, he works the Saturday shows. <laughs> He's filled in. And they didn't ask you to officiate. Yeah, well, number one, we didn't get invited, period. <laughs> Schwani will only go if he finds out there's Mastacholi. There's Mastacholi and chicken. And yeah. Johnny Walker. And, and Johnny Walker Black. He likes the Johnny Walker Black. That was tasty. I haven't had a scotch in a long time. I haven't either. That was very tasty. Um, but uh, also, I wasn't invited to officiate, which it, it breaks, you know, it's my, hurts my feelings. Hurts your feelings? No. Yeah. Well... We'll find out. We'll find out soon enough who who is doing the officiating. Yeah, that's all right. It's too late anyway. <laughs> I can't be. Uh, you know, you can't come to me at the last minute like this. I have a lot on my. You have a lot on your plate. On now. my ordination schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I have other ceremonies too. You didn't take my advice though. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, you were asking me what type of uh, a costume you were going to wear for this. And I said, you need the headdress that Curly wore when he was Senior Rita Rita. And you didn't, you didn't do that. Shwani was disappointed that I didn't inject into the ceremony. Any Three Stooges. Any Three Stooges comedy. Hold hands, you Hold lovebirds. Hold hands, you lovebirds. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm officiating. <laughs> and uh, I responded that only Shwani and I would have understood. Yes. The joke in that the bride and groom would just be looking at us like i actually was thinking that we should have picked somebody else they were up there and you were going through the vows Mm. i actually was thinking of hold hands you love (laughs) you know what i could have done though because i said you know and now now the vows i could have said hold hands you love birds no. yes you could have and and like in a i would have had to leave the room in a non three stooges sort of way but you and i would have gotten oh, the joke yes i would have had to leave the room that it was completely three yeah. stooges uh, oriented yes i would have been outside for the rest of the night <laughs> shut up <laughs> that i should have done darn it next time there's always next time uh, Andy, maybe you can answer this question yes. on our text line. Uh, Dean, can you now perform a, a brisk? A brisk or a bris? Or a bris. Yeah. A bris. Well, it's spelled brisk oh, okay. on the text line, but it's a yeah, bris. I'm not sure you want to do that, though, to be honest yeah, with you. I'm not, that, that doesn't sound... Uh, let, let the professionals handle that. Yeah, I was going that, to say, yeah. that's, a, that's a special skill <laughs> yes, there. That's a special set of skills that I, I don't... Did, I did just want. sharpen my knives at home. <laughs> <laughs> Moyle Dean. Do a nice, nice Julian cut. <laughs> Moyle Dean. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
224 area code. I've officiated a few weddings myself. I have to start hanging out with other people who uh, officiate weddings now. We're like, you need to form an organization. Yeah, we're, we're an exclusive club. Uh, did anyone's cell phone go off during the middle of the ceremony? No. No. Nope. No, they didn't. Nope. 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 I had to ask uh, Shwani to sit down a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to start a wave. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. A wave of one. <laughs> right. The guy next to him was like, will you sit you, down? What are you doing? <laughs> There's enough Mastacholi for everybody. Relax. <laughs> oh, we have to get to the far-flung forecast. Yes, we do. Well, we'll do that next for there. Shwani <laughs> only goes there so he can mention, you know, I work on WGN. <laughs> I can get you some free mentions on the Sunday morning show uh, if we get this crab dinner for nothing. <laughs> we went to a number of very fine restaurants, but we paid for our dinner. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see the paperwork. Are that. you all right? I've got it at home. I would like to see the receipts. I've got it at home. Uh, well, anyway, very nice of you. Uh, where were you last week, Andy? We were all off. Everybody yeah, was, was just off, off last week. I've been working for uh, Mr. Ennett for oh. a few days in Oroso. He- Kindly gave me the weekend off. Oh, the nice rest and relaxation. Very nice. Well, here we are back again with your far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts and figures. And here now with the latest, Dave, where's the Mastacholi Schwan? (laughs) Well, today we go out to New England, in fact, to the state of Massachusetts, to a city known as Newton, Massachusetts, which is not far at all from Boston, actually. Hmm. Newton is a population of a little over 88,000 people and was first settled in 1630 as part of what was known as the New Town. Get it? New Town, and then became Newton, Massachusetts. But we mentioned Newton, Massachusetts. I thought, thought that was the whole. I thought that was the whole far flung fort. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's it. it was the, a new town, but new they called town, it New Newton. It's thirty five degrees and New Town. No, it's warmer than that there oh. now. But Newton, Massachusetts, is the birthplace of a gentleman by the name of Roger Sherman. Hmm. Do you know who Roger Sherman is? Uh, Anybody? He was Mrs. Sherman's favorite son. And, well, maybe he was. Yes, but Roger Sherman was one of five gentlemen that was picked on this date. And it was great. In 1776, June 11th of that year, the Continental Congress selected Roger Sherman, along with two other, um, three other men that you may know very well, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson. Never heard of them. And the uh, fifth gentleman was Robert R. Livingston. The Continental Congress selected Mr. Sherman, Jefferson, Adams, Franklin, and Livingston to draft a Declaration of Independence. Yeah, it'll never keep. <laughs> <laughs> So that's when they went to work on this. Roger Sherman was one of the uh, collaborators on that, and he is the only person to have signed all four of the what are called the Great State Papers of the United States. He signed the Declaration of Independence, the Continental Association, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. Hmm. Roger Sherman, uh, born in Newton, Massachusetts, April 19th, 1721, on June 11th, 2023, Newton, Massachusetts has sunny skies and 74. Did he have one of those fancy signatures like all the guys Oh, like did? John Hancock? Who they, um, all the guys that signed uh, all those important papers yeah, well, that was, in our nation's history. No, not really. I'm they looking signed their it. name, but they had like a big flourish. Right. John Hancock with the great big swoop. 
right. in the in the uh, lettering. That's how I signed my name also. <laughs> well, now it's going to be uh, Dean Richards officiant, right? Then you know sometimes it's and Esquire. When I, when I cross the T on officiant, I'm going to go wild. Why? <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of squigglies That's are going to be my new thing. <laughs> No, Roger Sherman uh, just kind of signed it, just, just plain Raj. Raj. <laughs> Raj. <He> was just <laughs> oh, like on what's happening. That's right. Hey, Raj. Raj. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know, all five of those guys, you know. Hey, Raj. Hey, his, Jeff. His friend. Hey, Ben. They used to call Benjamin Franklin rerun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Raj. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, great to be back with Dr. Kevin Most. Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning, Dr. Most, my friend. Good morning, Dean. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful day. It's, uh, well, not as quite as beautiful <laughs> as it was yesterday, but it's an okay day, I guess you might say. Uh, I caught myself a little cold this week, and I thought, I thought, uh, you know, I should uh, connect with Dr. Uh, Kevin Most to make sure that I don't have something worse. But you know what? This was like an old school cold for me. It went through the entire pattern of when I would get a cold. And uh, you could probably hear in my voice a little bit. It's not 100%. Uh, but uh, it, it's, uh, I guess, kind of a return to normal, right? It really is. If you think about it, with everything we did to try to mitigate our exposure to COVID, we also did that and mitigated our exposure to other illnesses. That's why influenza was so low. That's why kids getting RSV was so low. And now that we're getting back to their normal, we're starting to see more just routine upper respiratory viruses being spread across the entire country. Yeah, and there is a a respiratory virus that's going around right now, right? Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of getting it confused, going, is this my allergies or is this a respiratory infection? And for the most part, you treat them the same way. So really, there's not a big difference here. The allergies will certainly go away when the allergen that you're allergic to uh, responds, whether it's grass or tree pollen or whatever. And the viral illnesses will go away. People don't need antibiotics for the vast majority of these. They're not bacterial. So really, it's just a matter of saying, okay, what are my worst symptoms and what can I do to relieve those? And pushing fluids and rest is probably the biggest two things that they can do. Yeah, uh, the rain that we're having today probably will help people suffering with the allergies uh, a little bit. That should dampen things down a little bit. But what about these the smoke from the wildfires, which I noticed uh, the other night? Um, I mean, that that could create symptoms, right, to make you feel like something's not right respiratorily? Oh, absolutely. And the two comments that you made together, you come together perfectly. One is the rain. So if you look at the air quality today, air quality today was, is, is great. If you look at the air quality three days ago, it was terrible. So certainly this rain is going to help improve it. But, yeah, these fires in Canada, it's amazing how, how they've impacted the air quality. And you say, okay, so it's a little hazy. I look at the sun, it kind of looks a little different. But you have to understand anybody with asthma, anybody with any other COPD, respiratory illnesses, people that are old, as well as young killed children whose lungs are still developing. So, you know, it's not like, oh, my gosh, this is serious and it's going to be really bad. But certainly in the acute setting, it can trigger things and you're going to see more hospitalizations due to respiratory so this rain definitely will help, 
Um, it's only going to rain for a little bit, and we'll see how the wind pattern picks up. Uh, if you look at the pattern of where this bad air is, Chicago's been pretty lucky. We haven't gotten the really bad stuff like right. they're seeing on the East Coast, right. as well as even you know just to the west of us. Yeah, exactly. Like in uh, New York City, for example, and along the East Coast, where people are really having a difficulty breathing so much show, yeah. so that they they had to close some shows on Broadway the other day because the actors uh, could not get their breath uh, to you know perform their lines. So th- that's how a bad it was. But uh, getting this little respiratory cold, and I, I felt fine during the whole time. It's just my voice uh, always is the first thing to go for me. Um, just reminded me how serious COVID was. I know that's still a point of controversy for a lot of people, but just getting an old-fashioned cold and how different it was from the two times that I got COVID during the past several years. Um, man, what a difference. <laughs> how horrible uh, you feel with one as opposed to the other, which is just as, you know, for me at least, is just a little mild discomfort. Yeah, and I think it is. You make a good point that it's a good reminder for all of us of what we can do to protect ourselves from anything, whether it be COVID or, you know, just a respiratory illness. We also remember, we got a COVID spike in like August of last year. We are all kind of holding our hands and holding our breath saying, okay, what's going to happen this year? Because it appears the FDA is looking at vaccinating again in the fall with the flu vaccine. So post-August and September would be when that vaccine would come out. So uh, the month of June is uh, Alzheimer's Awareness Month, a uh, subject um, that I am passionate about, uh, helping to try to find a relief, a cure, uh, care, support. And uh, a news flash came over the other day in which a panel from the Food and Drug Administration unanimously endorsed an experimental Alzheimer's drug that has shown uh, some modest success in slowing down the progression. What can you tell us about this? How hopeful should people who are dealing with Alzheimer's be about this? Very hopeful. You know, this is, it's, it's fascinating. You know, the disease of Alzheimer's has been around for over 100 years. And yet, really what's happened in the past, I'll even say, Two years has just been amazing. And what you're talking about is uh, lecanemab, which which got really good news last week from the FDA. Looks like it could potentially get full approval, full FDA approval by July 6th. Now, it's on an expedited path right now. So what difference does it make if it makes full approval? Well, if you look two weeks ago to what happened, where Medicare and Medicaid said, hey, any medication for Alzheimer's, that gets full approval will be covered. So this is an amazing combination of a first-line drug that slows down and binds the beta amyloid that causes Alzheimer's, which has shown that it's really slowing the, the uh, expansion of the illness. So you've got the medication approved, potentially by July 6th. You've got Medicare saying they would pay for it because this was a medication that's $26,000 a year. Wow. It's great that it gets it approved, but if no one can afford it. Right. So very, very, very exciting times, and how appropriate that it comes you know, during Alzheimer's month. Right, exactly. But, but this uh, drug uh, slows down symptoms of Alzheimer's. It does not wipe it out. It does not 
prevent it. It, it. It's it's just something that makes it go a little slower, right? Correct. You know, when we look at Alzheimer's, by the time people have symptoms of Alzheimer's, the disease is very far advanced. So this medication, although we're going to be using it to slow the progression, like you said, it does slow the progression, which is great. The thing we have to understand is that we're looking at this now saying, okay, it's beta amyloid is what appears to, if we can slow the progression of that, we're going to slow the progression of the illness. Now what we need to do is figure out how do we find beta amyloid or the increased production of beta amyloid earlier. So I, I tell people to be excited about this drug, but let's put it in perspective. You know, penicillin, the first antibiotic, when we first got that, we thought, oh, man, this is going to be great. And it's a medication you used, to, you used to have to take four or five times a day. Look at how far this has advanced in the world of antibiotics. So that's the tipping point we're at right now with Alzheimer's. There's four or five other drugs that will probably be approved in the next year. And who knows what the pipeline behind that is now that we know that this works so well in stopping the progression of the illness by working on beta amyloid. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely amazing. Is it, It's too early because it hasn't been approved yet, but... Um, people should talk to their physicians about this, right? If if that's uh, something with which they're living. Absolutely. You know, and those individuals, if you think about it, you know, we can test for, for Alzheimer's, right? But a lot of people say, I don't really want the test. I don't want the test because there's no treatment. So why am I going to get the test? It's just going to increase my anxiety. And But now we're going to get to a point where people will want to be tested early so that if they catch it early, like we do with all illnesses, can we put a medication that will slow the progression even more? So it's, um, it'll be fascinating, and anybody who has potential symptoms of it or has a loved one that's concerned, definitely get in to see the doctor. If they're on Medicare and they have Medicare Part B, there's going to be a big upswing, you know, middle of July if this drug gets approved to start more patients on this, which is just going to give us a better idea of how well it's going to work. Let's get some questions for Dr. Kevin Most. Uh, you can call 312-981-7200 or text 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Questions for Dr. Most, happy to take them. Uh, a text Dr. Most is asking, what is the best way to avoid getting sick on an airplane? Yeah, you know, uh, airplanes, obviously, everything that we did with COVID, and when we talk about getting sick on an airplane, it usually is a respiratory illness that you're going to do. So wearing a mask, we talked about the importance of masking, is, you know, if you're really immunocompromised, then wearing an N95 mask, not just a regular cloth mask, is a good idea. Washing your hands, be careful what you touch. Cleaning the area around you is important. Um, and actually turning on the air circulation above you, those fans, mm. pushing all things away from you is a good idea. Um, and I really, we talk about it on the airplane, but it's probably more important about what happens in the airports when we are in lines and queues to get onto the plane, right. when we're sitting in a very congested area and the boarding area. You have to be careful there as well as you do on the plane. I was uh, thinking about this as I was coming back from New York last week. I wonder if a window, middle, or aisle seat is safest in terms of, uh, you know, a respiratory virus that may be going around. Are you safer in an aisle where there's a little more circulation as opposed to being a little deeper into the plane? 
Yeah, I think you're probably getting to a point of, you know, percentage points here and there. Other people will say, you know, get to the window seat because no one's going to be walking by you. Oh. You're only, you don't have anybody on your uh, one side of you. Right. Uh, but certainly it's really just using common sense precautions, I think, is going to decrease your chance as much as anything. Here is uh, Paul. You're on WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Hey, Dr. Most, um, I've been keeping up to date uh, every time that they say, you know, get the vaccination for COVID. I've gone out and gotten an appointment, but I haven't heard about any vaccinations in the near future. And it it seems like last fall was the last time I had one. Will they be suggesting vaccinations anytime soon? Yeah, Paul, I don't know how old you are and whether you got two of the updated boosters, but if you, if you got it, if you last one you got in the fall, you can probably get another one right now to get that second booster, which was approved by the UK and approved by Canada well before us. And then we just approved that second booster probably about a month ago. Now, as far as what's coming on in the future, Absolutely. They are looking at a new vaccine that will be used in the fall. Probably we'll be hearing about it very soon, but it's not going to be ready for the summer bump. It's going to be more a fall uh, vaccination. But if you haven't gotten two of these new boosters, have to remember that everybody who got their original vaccine was based on the original COVID virus. The booster was built on the Omicron. So getting that second Omicron one would be important for you. Okay, I have had the second booster, so I guess I just wait a little while. You do, and that's why we're a little bit frustrated because we know that the immunization, excuse me, the immune status wanes over a period of months. Well, we're all well beyond that period of time, and now we're all anxiously saying, why aren't we we doing it now instead of waiting for another bump? So keeping our fingers crossed and hope that the FDA moves quickly on this. Yeah, and we'll uh, have updates as soon as they're available on that. The 407 area code asks, is there a hereditary aspect to Alzheimer's? Absolutely. So we're still trying to figure out exactly what causes Alzheimer's, but there definitely is a hereditary component. So we know that there's somewhat of a genetic issue. Now, whether that genetics is that it uh, causes an increase of beta amyloid whether it's an increase of how beta amyloid interacts in the brain, we're not sure of that yet. But there certainly is a genetic. The beauty of this illness, I hate to say it that way, but even if there is a genetic issue to it, and the genetic issue happens to do with the increased use of beta amyloid or the increased production, this is a genetic illness that we may be able to treat much more easily than many genetic illnesses where, hey, it's in your genes, there's nothing more we're going to be able to do for it. So certainly the concern there, I would say, is if there's a family history of it and you start to notice anyone in the family starting to have those symptoms, definitely get them in to get treated or to get tested because now we may have a treatment and that would take you almost to the front of the line as far as uh, medication. I think a lot of people you know, can't remember where they put their car keys or they can't remember why they walked into a room. Everybody experiences that from time to time and they go, uh-oh. I have Alzheimer's. Now, what's the difference between simply, uh, you know, forgetting something and something that may be later diagnosed as more serious? Absolutely. You know, we all have, I shouldn't say all, but many people have what you'll call senior moments. You know, we, as we age, our cognitive ability declines. We know that. The individual who is at their peak of their career at age 40, 45, 50, 
certainly if we're given a similar task at the age of 70, would not perform as well. We know that that's a simple part of aging. However, in senior moments of where did I put my car keys? Now, the bigger difference is I drive to WGN Studios every day. And one day, I don't get there. One day, I go someplace else. Those are bigger signs of Alzheimer's than simply forgetting someone's name that you remember 10 minutes later versus forgetting someone's name who you never remember. So it's more long-term and permanent than it is these short, whether you call them senior moments or times of forgetfulness. Dr. Kevin Most, uh, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Always a pleasure, my friend. I hope you have a great Sunday today. Thank you. You got it, Dean. We'll talk soon. Last hour, we were talking about uh, the wedding that uh, all three of us attended on Mm -hmm. Friday, the wedding of our former uh, producer of this show, uh, Ryan. Ryan Pollock uh, married the beautiful uh, Alexis. uh, They are now a husband and wife, uh, those crazy kids. Uh, And uh, I enjoyed watching, you know, the wedding party were Ryan and Alexis's uh, friends, right, and relatives. Right. All, right. all in their 20s. Yes. <laughs> Are you sure they were that old? Shwani's suit is older than most <laughs> of the people. <laughs> uh, but it was fun watching them dancing because the songs that they were playing were mostly songs from the 70s and 80s. Yes. No. Hits. And these kids were going crazy. Yeah. Over, they loved it. Yeah. Take, heard, on, take heard, on me by Aha. Uh-huh. Take on me. I heard Footloose. Yep. Kenny Loggins. I hadn't heard that in years. The kids were going. They loved it. What's up with that? I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. And we sat there like you know the three grandfathers. Or <laughs> <laughs> somebody go get me some cake. <laughs> I want chocolate. Get me the chocolate. <laughs> that was good cake, though. It was good cake. Yeah. Everything was good. Wedding cake so can be iffy That roast sometimes. beef was wonderful. That beef brisket, yeah. that was very good. Food was good. Food was good. But wedding, They didn't have any mastacholi, though. They did not. Uh, you'll have to take that up with I'll have to take that up with Ryan when he comes back from his honeymoon. Yeah. I'm going to call him anyway. I need to ask him about his reel-to-reel tape recorder. Well, we so need to, I, you know what we need to do? Right? Put a list together of uh, things we didn't like about your wedding. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Is that wrong? <laughs> yeah, I think it is wrong. Uh, number one, I, I started my list already. Okay. Uh, no hokey pokey. Yes, that's yeah. right. No hokey pokey. Wait a minute. Number two, I just thought of it. No chicken dance. No chicken dance. I liked both of those at a wedding. Uh, I can go either way on those. You didn't. Have, did you have those at your wedding? And Andy no one, no one, no one, no one uh, clanking Andy. their spoons on the on the water glass. Oh, yes, there was. Very, I heard it one time. Did you? And I was doing it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get Andy and Melina to kiss, <laughs> which we obliged, of course. Right. Oh, they made out here. I don't. Let me put this number three on the list. Andy and Melina would not stop making out during the whole. Uh. That was the first wedding that she and I had attended as husband and wife. Oh, oh was it really? Yeah. yeah. Were you comparing everything to your? Well, you had we an, you had a, a kind of an unusual. Yeah, we were a little different. We had we had the, yours was the a little more private. And, yeah, exactly. Family, correct. No coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, now. no coworkers officiating. Yeah, I actually had a former coworker officiate that one. 
Is that right? Yeah, my um, one of my good friends from San Diego when I was with the Padres. Oh, I, I wasn't ordained then anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of your next weddings. I could, maybe I could do that. When she walks, she slides, this is one of the most beautiful songs ever recorded. And, so gently, that when she passes, and one that has Shwani dancing up a storm in the newsroom this morning. This should have been played at the wedding on could Friday. Did you, you Fred Astaire? <laughs> The great uh, Astrid Gilberto and the girl from Ipanema, the beautiful voice on this classic song that was the Grammy Award-winning Record of the Year, Record of the Year, Top Record of the Year, 1965, Uh, and uh, Shwani, you probably know this because you're uh, the big music head, but this is the first song that Astrid Gilberto ever recorded. Yes. She showed up at the recording session because her husband, Joie Gilberto, was uh, supposed to do a recording session with the great Stan Gatz. That's, here he is. That's Stan well, that, on tenor. That's not him, but that he was playing saxophone there. I think, is this Paul Desmond on the piano here? I'm not sure. No, no. No. All right. Well, anyway, he was supposed to do a recording session with Stan Gatz. His wife accompanies him, a strud, and uh, they say, why don't you just sing a, back- just sing a little background? And her voice was so mesmerizing that they had her uh, do the uh, lead vocal on it. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the many great songs by Antonio Carlos Jobim. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she passed away uh, this past week, 83 years old. And, uh, man, did she ever leave us a gift, mm-hmm. right, with this, yeah. this beautiful that's song? That's still going to sound good. Gosh, that's almost 60 years old. It still sounds great. Wow. I wasn't born then. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should I admit that? Yeah. Okay. yeah Andy you weren't really, ordained Andy, yet. Andy really was yeah, not. I was not born, born yet. <laughs> well, Andy, yes. But well, you know the song. I do, yeah. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> oh. Okay. Why do you want something else? I was just wondering if you had any other what do you want me to make comment. Up? I'm you glad you included that. What are you looking for? A Casey case of long distance dedication? <laughs> or what are you looking for? That would have been cool. That would have been cool. <laughs> to your dog snuggles. <laughs> that was her second song. <laughs> My dog snuggles. That was her follow up song. What was that other song? I think it was her. Corcovado? Corcovado. Is that right? Quiet nights of no. quiet stars. Yeah. Oh, man. Quiet no. chords from my guitar. I'm telling you, you want some beautiful music. Some nice, relaxing summertime music, too, though, right? I mean, Girl from Ipanema popularized bossa nova music, that whole genre of music. But you want to put on a nice, uh, something nice on a beautiful summer evening, put on some uh, Estrud Gilberto music, right? I agree. Yes. Can't beat it. Nope. Nope. Not like that crazy, hippy, dippy rock and roll <laughs> music you kids are listening to out there now. Uh, our Week in Theater this week, we've got uh, s- several special guests on our theater segment. It's a big theater day. The Tony Awards are tonight uh, in New York City. The um, uh, Looking Glass Theater has something very special coming up with the late show Stephen Colbert. And uh, a friend who's been on the show many times is going to be saying goodbye to Chicago. And we'll tell you all about all these things next. It's 1019. This is 
Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGN. I don't want to make it too dramatic. That we are, oh, sadly, we're saying goodbye to one of our favorite performers who has made Chicago home for the past several years. Frank Ferrante, who you first met in uh, Zinzani, the uh, big Zinzani show over at Hotel Cambria, and now in uh, Cabaret Zazu, who has announced that they will complete their Chicago run just a couple of weeks from now, July the 2nd. I think you should open every show, Frank, with this, uh, between now and July 2nd, this song. <laughs> not too dramatic or melodramatic. Not at it? all, not at all. Not, yeah, that, that, you know, we played that at my, my grandma Sophie's funeral, so I think it would be a nice light piece to play. Yeah, yeah, it sets, it yeah, sets you know. the show up for some big laughs. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And, of course, you know, it's a Bocelli. You know, you're kind of sticking with the Italian theme. I appreciate it, Dean. Uh, you know, these things on this show just don't happen. No, you think it out. It's yeah. all thought out. Yeah, a lot of thought goes into very little that we do. Uh, I, good morning. I, good, good morning to you. And where are you, Pennsylvania? I'm in Bristol, Pennsylvania, at Bristol Riverside Theater. I, I've taken a week off contractually from uh, Cabaret Zazu in Chicago to perform Groucho. So I'm near Philly, and I'll be back tomorrow to complete the three the three weeks I have left in Chicago, which is uh, so that's it. Yeah, so I'm in I'm in Philly area. Yeah, that is uh, it. Uh, uh, it made me sad to see the show closing, uh, but it makes me even sadder that someone who has become such a good friend while he's been here in Chicago uh, is going to be leaving. I'm sure you'll be back. I'm sure you'll be doing other things, but uh, it was just comforting knowing that you're right down the street. Well, I appreciate that. I feel the same way. I, uh, it's actually, it's profoundly sad for me because I made so many friends like you and throughout, throughout this community. And I really do feel part of this, of this city. And I was treated so well and continue to be, and you're right. I'll be back in, in various, in various productions and, and in different shows, I hope. But yes, I, uh, you don't expect, you know, you never know with show business. We opened in, September. It could have lasted, Dean, as you know, a month, six months, 10 years. You never know. And I've been through this so many times over the last 35 plus years. But this was a good run. We had 10 months, which is a long run in the theater. It's, uh, and over t- almost 250 performances and, a, and, a, and, and what, over 40,000 audience members. Yeah, very proud of that. At a very unprecedented time in uh, our country and the world. And especially for live performances with the pandemic shutting things down originally with uh, uh, Zinzani. And uh, you actually were the first one to come back after the pandemic. It was your show that kind of broke the ice with this. And everybody said, are people going to come back to theaters? What's going to happen? I mean, it really has been walking on eggshells ever since then. It still is, Dean. And, you know, I'm very proud that I got that I was uh, that. that I came back with Zinzani in 2021. That's one of the first big shows. And I was the first actor to actually address an audience in Chicago and say, we're back. We are here. We are here. We are here. But you know, the truth of the matter is there's still vestiges of the pandemic that are in, you know, that are in play. And, And I think people are still a little reticent. It's getting better and better. If you're a huge show, if you're Lion King, or, or you're going to show, you know, audiences will show up. But if you're, a, you know, if you're, you know, if you're at a regional theater, if you're at the Goodman or Steppenwolf or Cabaret Zazu, and it's, 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 it's tougher. 
And uh, what I hear is 70, uh, you know, 70 percent is the new 100 percent in terms of sales. You know, that's mm. the that's the expectation. And we're going to keep coming back. You know, we're you know the, we're all resilient and audiences will catch on. You hope that people who are older will want to come back and, and see local theater. Chicago, I love this town, as I as you know now, and I, it's in my blood, this city. And I see the people, they're cheerleaders for each other. You, everyone is, I've never worked anywhere in the world, and I've worked in hundreds of cities that has been so accepting. And you know where you stand. When, when they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. And I appreciate there's no, there's no, there's no phoniness here, and I, I really appreciate that. So, you know, we'll go on. What You know, I'm happy that I still have three more weeks. Uh, to The show to me, what makes it a little challenging, I, I could have done this show for 20 years, Dean, because it's so fun, and I'm surrounded by so many talented people, and I've never been in a, a show quite like this with this kind of personality and talent level and kindness around it on the premises. It's 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 been a heartening experience yeah and uh you know we've uh also gotten to know your work as groucho marx your one-man uh, show uh mm-hmm. evening with groucho marx which is what you're doing in pennsylvania or i guess you probably mm-hmm. did did last night probably right i did and i've got one at 3 p.m today okay all right so you, you, <laughs> uh you know we, we we got to know several sides of uh frank, mm-hmm. frank ferrante through this and his uh, incredible talent um, you know, so it's it's been a real pleasure for us to have you here. And I hope if people, even if people have gone to see Zazu, Cabaret Zazu, uh, this is the kind of show that you can go see again. Uh, and it's always uh, different. There's always different things because of Mr. Ferranti himself and his uh, improvisational ability. And he brings something new every single performance. So uh, tickets are available. You can... Uh, you know, get uh, all the information at broadwayinchicago.com. Uh, it's running uh, through July 2nd, Hotel Cambria 32 West Randolph in downtown uh, Chicago. Uh, Frank also has uh, now the distinction of the time that he's been here in Chicago, the only guest in the 100-year history of WGN Radio <laughs> to ever come into our studios and take both his shoes and socks off and put his bare feet up on uh, the, the desk while being interviewed by a WGN host. And believe me, I've tried to burn it out of my memory. I, I've gone through Dean, extensive... Dean, I'm looking at my bare feet right now, thinking of you. That's all there is to it. Wow. I feel what, very comfortable like with you, Dane. What an honor to know that a man is looking at his feet and thinking of me. That's there you have it. Quite an honor. I've gone through therapy since that day. Uh, I'm so sorry. I've gone through electroshock therapy. I don't even know mm, if they yeah. still do electroshock therapy, but, uh, but they, they should. Those are the things that I've gone through to try to erase the memory of the bottom of Frank's feet point, <laughs> pointing at me, pointing directly at me while I'm trying to conduct a radio interview with the man. Oh, well, you know. Say la vie. I, listen, it, it all starts with Dean and it all ends with Dean. So here we are. Back to the back to foot talk with Dean Richards. Yeah. That could be a new show for you. You do everything else. You know, we have not uh, really explored the world of podiatry as much as we should have. Well, you know what? We're on to something. Perhaps we could do a musical based on this whole premise. <laughs> In Soul the Musical. There we go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Count me in. See, I'll be back sooner than you'd think, Dean. Right. <laughs> With our big, uh, we've got our foot in the door for. In, oh, my gosh. My gosh. We've got to dip our toe. Oh, so, my gosh. So we'll I, be the. Are you are you going to continue uh, uh, touring uh, and appearing as a Groucho around the country? I, I am. You know, I'll I'll close here. The good thing is I'll go home and be with family, and then I'll be on the road uh, back doing an evening with Groucho. I'll be in Calgary. I'll be in Canada for ten weeks in the fall, and then I'm really at it all over in January, February, March into April. I'll be in at the Metropolis in Arlington Heights, January thirteenth, doing Groucho. So nice. I, it's not this is a breaking a breaking story for what it's worth but it hasn't been um, finalized but I'll be back I'll be back in the in the Chicago area and my brother lives in Arlington Heights Tony Ferrante and uh, I'll get to do a one nighter then so I hope to see you around then Dean it'll be fun very good well I hope I hope I see you before uh Cabaret Zazu uh closes uh, so we can uh, just celebrate your incredible talent what you've given to Chicago audiences uh, will not soon be forgotten. Uh, you're an amazingly talented person and an even uh, nicer and warmer and wonderful person uh, personally. Uh, it's been my pleasure to uh, get to know you, and we, we look forward to lots of different projects in the future. I mean, Dean, I can't thank you enough. I've appreciated our friendship, and I appreciate your listeners and all those advocates of the arts that are, are tuning in. And um, thank you for for making this stay here for me so special over the last few years. I am grateful, sir. And we shall raise a glass. And I raise a glass to you, Chicago. And um, I love you, Dean. Thank you so much. Same thing. Uh, a listener uh, has texted in the name of our uh, foot show uh, that we should do, that we, <laughs> that we should call it Tootsie. Oh, that's Tootsie, too. Yeah. I think- you know, I'm... I, that's funny. It's good. We, you are such a heel, I have to say. Um, oh, boy. Someone had to say it. This is you and how, I are always keeping in step, though, which is good. This is how I know when I need to end an interview with Frank. That's the, <laughs> that's the other thing that I've learned. I, I know when we've gone one step t- too far. That's good. There you go. Frank, have a great day today. Safe travels back, and we'll see oh, you soon, hey, pal. Thank, thank you. you. See you. And, Dean, I can't thank you enough. And I can't tell how many people in the audience have said, we're here because Dean Richards sent us. So thank you, Dean. And I must be going. All right. It is 1036. Time for the Week in Theater. What is going on on stage in Chicago? And, uh, man, we've got a lot going on uh, this week. The Tony Awards are tonight. We'll uh, preview some of the nominees coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, Also coming up a little bit later on in the show, my one-on-one conversation with uh, the actor named Roman Banks. He is uh, the actor who will play Michael Jackson in MJ the Musical that is coming to Chicago August 1st through September the 2nd. Uh, We uh, sat down with him, talked a little about this four-time Tony award-winning production that is uh, headed for Chicago. But I wanted to start off with a very special event that is coming up at uh, one of the most special uh, theaters that we've got in Chicago, the Looking Glass Theater. Uh, They have a, a special event that is coming up, a benefit, that is called the Looking Glass Lunch Show with Stephen Colbert from The Late Show. He's long been uh, an advocate 
of Looking Glass Theater, going back to the days when he lived here in uh, Chicago. Uh, he's coming back for a big celebration, and we're happy to have uh, joining us on the phone line to uh, talk about it all, the Looking Glass artistic producer and ensemble member, Phil Smith. Phil, welcome to WGN. Nice to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you. I appreciate that. So I'm a big fan of Looking Glass, always have been. Uh, Also a big fan of Stephen Colbert. Uh, Explain what this Looking Glass lunch is going to be, which is right around the corner. It's uh, June 16th. Yeah, it's on Friday, June 16th. Uh, It's a a lunch hour that we have. It's like the program with um, several ensemble members in conversation with Stephen. He's flying out in the morning and we have a big event and lunch and conversation in the uh, early afternoon i was hoping the event would be Stephen actually making lunch for everybody <laughs> that would be a good thing that would be a really good thing. i i hear he's a, a great ham and swiss maker i don't know i could be, maybe i've been misinformed on that but uh that would have been spectacular you know, so th- this is kind of a q a then right with well it's it's I don't know if you've ever been to his show, but if you go to the, the Late Show, um, before the the program starts, he usually comes out and connects with the audience in a really wonderful way. And I'm sure he'll do that uh, with us as well. He's going to come out and talk and connect with the audience. And then we have a really interesting panel of artists coming up, uh, including David Schwimmer, who's one of our ensemble members, and uh, Anthony Fleming uh, III, who's on this show, Power Book Force, and um, a couple other ensemble members, including my wife, Louise Lampson, who uh, helps run our education department. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's, a really, he's a really interesting guy. We, I don't know if you want to hear the story of how we got to know him. Well, I, um, I, I was going to ask you, I, I know he's yeah. got Second City uh, in his blood. He's got Northwestern yeah. in his blood. He's got a lot of Chicago roots here. I didn't remember yeah. him ever doing anything with Looking Glass. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just mistaken on that. Well, you know, he, he, didn't, he never did. We did offer him a role in a, in a play called The Master and Margarita, which he turned down because the money was horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we've been friends for a, for a long time. We, we had all graduated from Northwestern uh, in the late 80s. And um, before the company was founded in the summer of 1987, we took a production of Alice in Wonderland Edinburgh Theater Festival. Uh, and that was directed by David Schwimmer. And in addition to being an excellent actor, David is a very good director, by the way. Um, I think Stephen was figuring out which career path to take, comedy or acting. And he was investing time and en- energy in both, you know, with Second City and, and acting in Chicago. And he set off to the festival on his own. And he hung out and, and spent you know, really significant time there with the early founders of our company. And uh, that connection and bond held. And it was actually there that that group decided to form the theater company now known as Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And maybe there that Stephen saw a, a different path for himself, perhaps when he realized how bad the hours and the pay were. <laughs> uh, but but he's, you know, he's more than a comedian or, or actor. He's really a, a high-level thinker. He can give word-for-word quotes of poems that he read as a seven-year-old. Yep. Um, you know, 
know, he's an improviser, really faithful human being, welcoming, warm, engaging, and caring. He's a Sunday school teacher, and uh, and it's a really good friend. Yeah, I, I have nothing but admiration uh, for him as a comedian. I think he's hilarious uh, as an interviewer. Yes. Uh, you know, as, as somebody that does this job, I don't think there's really anybody better at uh, conducting both funny interviews and making his guests yeah. look great, but also, uh, you know, serious, uh, insightful, thoughtful interviews with yes. uh, non-comedic, uh, you know, personalities. Uh, well, I, I just played, uh, this was, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I played uh, a, a clip of Stephen Colbert interviewing uh, Steven Spielberg and composer, uh, conductor John Williams. And yeah. uh, it is, to this day, is one of the most interesting interviews that I've ever heard, both for the content that Spielberg and Williams were providing during the interview, but uh, Stephen's uh, curiosity and uh, yeah. questions. And uh, as you say, he is truly a great thinker. Uh, and I can't imagine that this lunch uh, with him is going to be anything uh, anything less than spectacular. It's going to be great. Yeah. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just thrilled that he's that he's coming out. You know, Ten years ago, he hosted a big fundraiser for us for our 25th anniversary. This is uh, in celebration of our 35th. And um, and if people want to see something fun, there's uh, he made a video with us for our 30th um, called "In Search of the Looking Glass Theater Company" in 2018, uh, sort of uh, as homage to the remember the old Leonard Nimoy series. In yep. search of. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, anyway, he made a, a fun video with us uh, in 2018 that people should check out if they're interested in seeing, you know, a fun novel Stephen Colbert moment. Yeah, it's it's uh, he, it's it's great. He's great. As I say, Looking Glass is. And this is all going to take place this coming Friday, June the 16th. How do people uh, get tickets if they are still available? They are still available. Uh, they can check uh, out tickets at lookingglasstheater.org. And Looking Glass is two O's, two G's, two S's, dot org. And theater as an R-E at the end. Okay. Um, and there are still tickets available at, at, uh, at different levels of engagement. Very good, very good. Uh, how are things going over at the Looking Glass? I know you've got uh, a, a new show called Lucy and Charlie's Honeymoon that's playing through July 16th there. At first glance, when I heard about this, I thought it was something Peanuts-related, you know, Charlie Brown and well, Lucy and Pe- yeah. the Peanuts comic and so forth, and yeah. I learned it's nothing about any of those things. But but you know what? You're not off the mark. I think the writer did that on purpose, and uh, he wanted it to feel like an American story, and there's nothing more sort of Americana than the Peanuts. But, yeah, Matt, Matt Yee's uh, Lucy and Charlie's Honeymoon playing at theater right now and i i just think it's must see it's up there with in my mind with with moby dick for looking glass fans wow metamorph metamorphoses the jungle and these are some of our greatest award-winning uh productions um but to me this this play rewrites the book on what a theatrical event is it's it's fast-paced it's really funny it's moving and comes with a completely satisfying country and western musical score, full of hooks and sing-alongs. It's a it's a part Asian American Bonnie and Clyde story. It's part Blazing Saddles, part Thriller, complete with a 
a gripping and moving narrative and story. It's just a great summer affair for Chicagoans and tourists alike. So come. It's great. Lucy and Charlie's Honeymoon is what it's called. Uh, at the Looking Glass through July 16th, the theater is... 821 North Michigan Avenue, of course, uh, in downtown Chicago. I got to get over and uh, see that uh, myself because it, it sure sounds spectacular. Uh, I appreciate yeah. you joining us, Phil. Thank you so much. Uh, Phil That's Smith. A thrill. Thank, yeah, thank you uh, for having us on. Phil is uh, the artistic producer and ensemble member of uh, Looking Glass Theater Company. Appreciate you joining us, Phil. Have a great day today. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Uh, In just a moment, let me preview some of the top categories for tonight's Tony Awards that will be given out in uh, not in Midtown Manhattan this year. It'll be in uh, a theater in Washington Heights, different location for the Tony Awards. Let me tell you all about it coming up. All right, we are back at 1049 Dean Richards Sunday morning and our weekend theater segment continuing. It was about a year ago that uh, Chicago's very own Sean Hayes uh, brought a play to the Goodman Theater called Goodnight Oscar, in which he played uh, television personality, uh, piano virtuoso Oscar Levant, uh, and just got rave reviews from everybody that saw it. Uh, It was Broadway-bound, did open in New York, and is now nominated for a Tony Award. And Sean seems to be the likely, you know, what all the experts who pick who will win a Tony Award, uh, the vast majority are picking Sean tonight to win his very first Tony Award. We're very excited uh, for that. But I thought we would take a minute and go back for the visit that we had on the set of Goodnight Oscar with Sean Hayes, when he uh, brought the show here to Chicago first uh, before it went to New York City. Amazing production of Goodnight Oscar is going on, starring three-time Emmy winner Sean Hayes. If only he were here to talk to us. That Oh, excuse me. Wait, someone's at the door. Why, what? look. What are the it's odds? Just, it's Sean and his character that he plays in this show. I heard you mention me, and I <laughs> how, live here. How nice that you would just happen to be here, yes, Sean Hayes. I mean, how about it? Let's sit down and chat. <laughs> A nice, comfy conversation. Yeah. Um, thank you for taking some time to talk to us, first of all. We really appreciate it. Well, I have to time. say thank you, and thank you for having me. And I have to say I appreciate your comments, your raves about the show um, is very kind of you, and uh, we we are very proud of the show. So it's nice that it's being received so well. Well, it's it's all you know super well deserved. I mean, the the show is amazing. We'll talk more about it in a second. But uh, I'm just curious for you, growing up here in the Chicago area, yeah. uh, personally and professionally growing up here in the Chicago area, working the local theater scene. Yeah and music scene around Chicago. What's it like for you now to be in this amazing show in this amazing theater? Yeah, it's pretty well when you say it like that. Yeah, it all makes it real, right? Now I've made you nervous. Yeah, you made performance. Sorry. (laughs) Tonight's show will be canceled. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it it, it is um, a dream come true. Like as a kid in the theater scene here in Chicago and the suburbs, I dreamt of being in a play at the Goodman Theater. Like, you know, the Goodman Theater was associated with a-plus, high-class, quality shows. And I was like, wow, it was so cool. You know, it took me a while to get here, but I'm here. So I got my Chicago flag 
hat it's on, nice. and um, and I'm a Chicago native at heart. So it's really special for me to be here. I just love every minute of it, I'm trying to soak it all in. Yeah, I, I also have to uh, just talk a second about Smartless. Oh yeah, uh, the uh, amazing podcast that you are doing uh appropriately titled because we're all idiots (laughs) which which may be i mean that's uh, that's kind of the philosophy that we go by on our show (laughs) yeah stupider the better yeah right uh but it's it's one of the hottest podcasts in america but believe me it is as surprising to us as it is to you we did it um me jason bateman and will arnett host smartless together and we've been friends for over 20 years and we just decided right as the pandemic hit hey let's while we're still in our jammies hop on zoom and start a podcast but just to do one episode to see if it's fun just as an excuse to catch up so that turned into 10 episodes turns into 50 here we are 100 episodes later yeah and selling out theaters you just sold out the chicago theater i i can't about like even a month ago or i know like that. i'm i'm so shocked that people find us even remotely interesting. <laughs> yeah. And now to take on this character of Oscar Levant, I mean, such an interesting choice for the subject of a, a play. This yeah. guy was a uh, an amazing pianist, uh, a great actor, and one of the most sought-after, irreverent uh, talk show guests yeah. of the late 50s, 1960s, yeah. uh, that you now embody. Yeah, it, it took a, about 11 years to get this play up to where it's at and uh, through development process and meetings and readings and you know um, workshops and stuff like that and so yes I've always been enamored with Oscar Oscar is kind of like just as you described this great pianist with this great wit um, and I thought it you know if there's ever and with anxiety and depression and all these other issues some there's blurred lines where my life and Oscar's life kind of like you know <laughs> mend uh, but or merge I should say but um, but yeah, I was I was always enamored with him because of the so many um, similarities. He, he was a he was a wit that enjoyed being on talk shows, and I would host them sometimes. And be, I love being on them. And and this piano player, who I was like, oh, I I have both of those skills. Probably not as near as great as Oscar did, but enough to do a play about it. I know people have said to you and to your husband Scotty, and I've been hearing it since I've been yeah. raving about it, is Sean really playing the piano? Yeah. Because it's a little bit mind-blowing. Well, and thanks. the answer to that is, he's at a piano right now. I'm at a piano. Um, so let's play... Um, um. I'll play something a little bit. Should I be doing like the Tom Hanks sure. dance from <laughs> on the from, floor from yeah. right now? Before before yeah. you do this, because we'll end the segment with the uh, uh, piano playing. You you also were a trained pianist. Yes, you know? I. Started- it's not really a surprise that you would kill on the on the keyboard. Well, thank you. I uh, at five years old, I remember coming home from school. My mom said a piano teacher just moved in across the street. Do you want to take lessons? My response quote was, "I'm not doing anything else." <laughs> at five years old. So I started taking lessons at five. It was my major at Illinois State University was piano performance. And then I was a a music director at Pheasant Run Dinner Theater in St. Charles. And then uh, I just kind of stuck with it. And uh, I don't really have a reason to play, but this play, Goodnight Oscar, gives me a reason to play. So, uh, but I've always kind of just kind of kept it up. I'm not as great as I used to be or even half as good. But uh, here we are. Just to show you that it really is uh, Sean Hayes that is amazing, uh, both on stage and on the keyboard in uh, Goodnight Oscar. 
Here he is. Sean, thank you so much. Thank you. This is a little Beethoven. Amazing. Sean Hayes, good night Oscars here at the Goodman Theater until April the 24th. Uh, could you play a little something? I just want to lay on the piano. Yeah, sure. This. Sean Hayes, that was uh, on stage over at the Goodman Theater when Goodnight Oscar did its pre-Broadway run here, went to Broadway and getting rave reviews there. And if you read what uh, you know, predictors of the Tony Awards are saying, uh, that Sean is very likely to pick up a Tony Award for his performance uh, tonight. So uh, fingers crossed. Um, we wish our friend uh, the very, very best and uh, hope he walks away with the statue tonight. Uh, some of the other nominations for Best Musical, which is, you know, one of the big uh, categories of the night. Some Like It Hot. Also, the uh, musical called Shocked. New York, New York is playing there. Kimberly Akimbo and uh, the play that's called And Juliet. Uh, most are predicting that Some Like It Hot will wind up being the, uh, the the winner of that particular category. Uh, let me scroll over to the category of best play, and that includes uh, Ain't No Mo, Between Riverside and Crazy, Cost of Living, Fat Sam, and Leopoldstadt is uh, also nominated. For best musical revival, the nominees are Lerner and Lowe's Camelot, Into the Woods, uh, that uh, contains a performance uh, from Josh Groban, by the way, which is also nominated, Parade, and Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Best Play Revival includes August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, A Doll's House, The Sign, and Sidney Brewstein's Window, and Suzanne Laurie Park's Top Dog, Underdog. Uh, those are the major uh, categories. Uh, as I had mentioned, the uh, some of the nominees uh, include, I think I said Josh Groban was up for Into the Woods. He's uh, nominated for Sweeney Todd, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, Christian Borel is nominated for Some Like It Hot. Jay Harrison Gee, also Some Like It Hot. Uh, Brian Darcy James is the one nominated for Into the Woods. Ben Platt, who uh, is already a Tony Award winner for Dear Evan Hansen, and Colton Ryan is up for New York, New York. For Best Actor in a Play, Sean is nominated. Uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II for Top Dog Underdog. Corey Hawkins uh, for the same play. Stephen McKinley Henderson is nominated, and Wendell Pierce for Death of a Salesman. Tony Awards begin at 7 o'clock tonight on CBS, or you can watch them on uh, Paramount+. Plus. 
We'll have all the winners for you tomorrow morning. Not that uh, you know we've been avoiding the subject of former President Trump's uh, indictments. You know the big biggest national news story of the day. Uh, but I figure uh, right Sunday morning the the Sunday morning TV shows. I'm sure they were. Oh yeah, just filled with that. The, 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 yes, yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. we'll let them handle do the heavy lifting well the next big uh step in this whole series of events is, is tuesday? tuesday he will be in court uh in connection uh, with this really to be arraigned on the on the charges uh and the word is that he will be processed meaning uh fingerprinted and booked rather but if there were any pictures taken they would not be uh, uh made public and he will have secret service escorts what do you mean also. a mugshot you a mugshot yeah but well, yeah. wouldn't a mugshot normally be uh, made public? It would be, but in this instance, in this case, they're not yeah, yeah, this is this is an exceptional case. Yeah, and uh, again, Secret Service uh, will be there all along the way. And this will take place in Florida? Yes, that's in Florida because uh, that's where the indictment was originally filed. From Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I can only imagine the kind of security that uh, is already in place probably before any of this was even announced well as it was in new, in new york city uh you know the, the previous charges that were uh, you know of the anticipation were, of any yeah. kind of protests any potential violence uh, uh, pro or con uh that uh it's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to to watch and see how it all plays out yes Yes, and uh, also, you know, and when the trial date will be set and, uh, you know, on down the line, uh, what, what will happen with this? Yeah, these are pages in American history that we're going through, ladies and gentlemen. These are, these are moments. Uh, pay attention to what's going on in your world. Uh, this is history, right? It is, you know, and, and regardless of how you may feel about it, uh, this has never happened before. We've had presidents uh, uh, that have been impeached, of course, and, you know, the the, uh, Nixon-Watergate situation in the 1970s, but uh, this this is unprecedented. I listened to a a panel discussion. I don't remember if it was Woodward or Bernstein, one of the two Watergate uh, journalists, famous Watergate journalists, and some others comparing this to the Richard Nixon uh, case. And it was fascinating. Uh, just what we're going through right now uh, is uh, it's it's fascinating, and how how the American judicial system will play out is going to be uh, fascinating. But anyway, we weren't avoiding it for any reason. Just no, we've been we've been running the story. Yeah, here no, I, we've had it yeah. the newscast, but I mean, we, we didn't have political analysts on and all, oh, right. all that. Right? Yeah, I, I figured. You know, let let the let the Sunday morning TV people. You know, they also, in fairness, they did not discuss the TV show "What's Happening" and rerun and Raj <laughs> in depth right. the way we right did, the so. way we did and and the way we illustrated what the founding fathers uh, right. were doing. If the if the founding fathers were on the show, <laughs> what's happening? What that would have been like? They stay in their lane, we stay in our lane. That's hey, all. With- Plants need the rain. My tomato plants uh, need the rain. Uh, So I think we can all uh, deal with it uh, just a little bit. It's nice and cool and pleasant outside, so, you know, we can all deal with that. I know a lot of you are going to be out grilling today, I hope. Get as many grilling days as possible out there. We're going to talk about 
uh, grilling and barbecue and uh, pasta salads. I wanted to get into the subject of your favorite pasta salads. It's one of my favorite things to make in the summertime because it's so, you know, usually uh, it's so nice and cool and refreshing and has usually such wonderful ingredients in it. So we'll uh, dig into that. Uh, coming up in uh, just a little while. wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the uh, number one movies in uh, America this weekend. And uh, this is the weekend uh, that shows that the Transformers franchise is alive and well. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is the uh, clear number one uh, movie in America this weekend. Uh, The international box office numbers on this uh, $110 million, the North American debut, $60 million, an easy number one. Uh, the movie uh, also opened to a $40 million debut in China. So uh, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, I only gave it a Dean's List C uh, because it's it's so formula and so like all the other Transformers movies. I mean, there's really how much more can you do with with the whole thing? I mean, you know, they're cars and trucks that turn into robots and they fight evil. That's what these movies have been doing for seven movies now. So it's not that uh, not that unusual and not that different. Uh, so I would have liked to have seen a little more creativity with it, but it's a, it's a summer popcorn movie. Uh, so I can't really say it's a bad movie. It's action-packed. It's... If you like that kind of movie, and clearly a lot of people do, for $60 million uh, in an opening weekend, uh, you know, it's there for you. So we did some interviews both with the actors and also uh, some of the behind-the-scenes people. And normally I don't really run the interviews that I do with the producers and directors, but I thought these conversations that I had were, were kind of interesting in the history of the franchise especially with Transformers, because I think it was the third Transformers movie that was made in Chicago. Uh, I clearly remember sitting in our old WGN studios on Michigan Avenue while they were blowing up Michigan Avenue. Uh, Literally, taxi cabs are flying by the window while I was doing a radio show. And they they were blowing up the Michigan Avenue bridge and helicopters were attacking. It was kind of cool to see the whole thing, a little distracting while... You know, we're trying to do a radio show, but uh, still was a lot of fun. And that was where we started off with my conversation with the producer of Transformers Rise of the Beasts, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura. Chicago, we have a lot of relationship with Chicago with Transformers. Oh, my gosh. I was just telling somebody a moment ago, uh, I think it was the third movie, right? Uh, we... Our, our studio is right on Michigan Avenue where you're shooting it. I was, visited. I was doing my show and cabs were flying by <laughs> and the bridge was exploding. And That's awesome. It was complete pandemoniums. But how this uh, franchise has uh, grown and maintained, what, what is it about this that has such likes? I, well, you know, one of the great things about film is you never know how you get the alchemy exactly. But we started with... A great idea that uh, that are the inventor of this is this idea that this inan what you think is an inanimate object is actually a talking, walking robot. And I think there's just something internally fascinating about suddenly personifications of different looking creatures that, in many ways, represent 
sort of independent uh, human values, you know. Um, and then our job as filmmakers is to try to keep it fresh and new. And fortunately, the mythology of Transformers has a ton of characters and a lot of ideas. So there's a lot for us to draw from. Um, and I think lastly, we don't plan ahead. We plan for the movie we're working on. And then what we do is we watch it with the audience and the experience of watching it with the audience influences where we're going to go. Interesting. How, how do you, um, how do you, how do you plot out the, uh, continuation of it? Uh, to make sure that it stays fresh, to make sure that you're, what, what are the things that you're looking for as you watch with that audience? Well, what do they respond to? So for instance, Mirage as a character on the paper was pretty good. Um, Pete Davidson crushed it, right? So all of a sudden your expectations of that character change. Um, and so that's a great example of now, if we think about a sequel, how do you not have Mirage? Um, so that's in, in a way a really direct thing. Um, you know, look, in this case, we're introducing the Maximals. And so partly we're seeing if the audience is enjoying them and if they're going for it or did they find it like took away from the Autobots? You know, they seem to be enjoying it. So that's how we do it. And then we take that experience. And along the way, you know, along now close to 20 years, there's a lot of ideas that we toss around and then we go, eh, we don't know how to do it right now. So now, after we've watched with the audience and you see what they respond to, we begin to bring back up the ideas like, well, maybe this should be, or maybe yeah. now that we have Mirage, what are the idea we were going to yeah. go for? We suddenly understand how to get there. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that you're still in this business, though, after 20 years, the Transformers business? Yeah. After I, 20 it, years, that's a phenomenal success story. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it. I'll say it that way, you know, yeah. and it's it's a it's a. It's incredibly lucky, and um, and it's it's an, it's very different than making other films because you have a relationship with these characters now for twenty years. You know what I mean? It, it's I, I they're humans to me. Yeah, but also redefining it for a new generation, yeah. both with the human cast, but the feel and the look and where it's placed and some of the language. Mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, it is is really it's set to explode on another generation of, you know, people who, you know, we grew up with your first ones yes. and now another generation is going to explode enjoying yeah. this one. And it's going to be, it's, you know, it's a fascinating thing. And as it goes along, it keeps changing and, and the audience, they've always stayed true to us. And so, um, that's the obligation in a way we feel for them. What, uh, what was it like uh, with some of the filming process in Peru? It was challenging because, first of all, we took physical environments that were really challenging. We shot in the jungle for a month. You know, you're sitting there, it's humid, it's hot as hell, um, and uh, it wears you down. The next thing you know, we're at 10,000, 13,000 feet we shot at. You can hardly breathe. So then we were there for another four or five weeks. So, you know, physically, and then you're in a culture that is different culture. Um, and I think the, the, there was a little bit of a scary thing, which is COVID was going along full bore at that moment. And I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, if you're going to get sick, you want to be at home. So there's this interesting feeling of, of you weren't isolated because you were in this great big world, but you were feeling like, you know, a little bit in jeopardy. Um, 
And I think that actually, I think that emotion creeped into the movie, you know, especially in the messaging of the movie about how cultures and how people got to figure out how to work together, not work separate. Uh, thank you for all these years of uh, complete enjoyment. Pleasure. It's just fun. It's just like, My pleasure. I have a lot of fun, too. It's fun to go to the movies. Yeah, that is the producer of uh, the movie Transformers Rise of the Beast, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura. He's done several of the Transformers movies. He's done G.I. Joe's. He's got a track record as a, a movie maker. I found his uh, conversation to be very, very interesting, as I did with the brand-new director of this movie, somebody taking over this franchise, Stephen Capel Jr., who talked to me about uh, joining this project. What does it feel like to, you know, hop on board this, you know, rolling train down the track, this incredibly successful franchise? It's it's exciting, man. It's an exciting time, Um, you know, being a fan of franchise for so long and now to be able to, have an imprint on like the legacy of Transformers. It's it's something special, you know. I don't take it for granted. Like every moment, every moment and opportunity, like to connect with the fans and everybody who's been watching Transformers for years, and now to be able to see them react to something that I worked very hard in doing. So, yeah. What was your? Uh, uh, did you have a concern going into this to direct it in a certain way, take it in a certain direction. Yeah. The the major concern was making sure it was distinct enough, you know, and I challenged myself to make a great film. Um, It was never to try to top anything else in terms of Transformers done before this or compare it to anything done in, like, the Night or Bayverse. I think, for me, it was the pressure was, like, all right, this big, huge franchise. We've seen so many in terms of cartoons, movies. How can this feel different, um, different culturally, different emotionally? And how can we make sure we see the characters in a different light? And so, like, that took a lot of, like, work. And that's that's what pulled me down and always kept me grounded when creating this project. I, I thought it was so interesting how it uh, flawlessly spoke to old school Transformer fans. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, clearly was speaking to potential new a, a new generation of yeah. people mm-hmm. uh and i i gotta think that that was you uh, yeah no I, I hope so <laughs> but no yeah a lot of the action uh some of the character and storylines feel like you know it, it speaks to a younger generation and then you have the homage right to the like old transformers movies and or the designs uh from the animated fit series and the g1 uh, designs of the Autobots, like those were like the sort of like connective tissue, I would say, to that like era. And then especially the 90s in general, right? Just trying to create a, a sort of uh, an experience, if you will, in terms of looking back at that era and living through it through it um, was something special to us. And is, is, is there, uh, uh, were there some special challenges uh, in shooting in Peru or so many special effects or... Yeah things that really challenged you as a director there was a lot with visual effects special effects yes that's more explosions we couldn't bring some to machu picchu at all because we couldn't destroy it but it was really tough (laughs) to shoot in machu picchu it's a very beautiful uh location um magical if you will and we felt it every day on set um but in terms of camera equipment like hiking it up the hill every day for a shoot uh, the altitude, no one could breathe by the time we get up there and having actors run across a field. That was really tough for us to do. Um, we had to like find a rhythm and pace up there that could work for everybody. Wow. 
uh, well, job well done. Oh, thank at you. At the end of the day, it's just like, wow, that was fun. I oh, appreciate it, man. It was man. a really fun couple of hours. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, there's uh, the director of uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast, Stephen Capel Jr. is his name. Number one movie in America, $60 million uh, domestically uh, at the box office, uh, $110 million overseas, $170 million uh, globally. So the the movie uh, did phenomenally well. It knocks uh, Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse, which is uh, an incredible movie, really, really great movie, uh, beats that down to the number two spot. And then uh, the rest of the top five include The Little Mermaid, uh, The Boogeyman, and Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, still hanging in there after all of these weeks. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to get into our Food Time segment. Uh, I read uh, an article that was done for a national publication that said, uh, Best Barbecue in America, Best Barbecue Restaurants in America. So I'm thinking it's got to be one or two chicago places on this best barbecue list uh guess what apparently we don't have any according to this article uh, our barbecue stinks according to this article uh and i couldn't disagree more i've had barbecue uh around the united states it's very good some of the places that are touted as being the best barbecue i think are just really okay i know i'm kind of a chicago snob when it comes to these things but I would put some of our barbecue here in the Chicago area up against, you know, the so-called best in the U.S. any day. And it's been a long time since we uh, opened up the phone lines for your picks for best barbecue that you've had in the Chicago area. I've definitely got a few favorite choices. I'll get to those uh, coming up, uh, my, my picks, but I'm really more, much more curious about yours. Uh, also... Uh, pasta salads for summertime. Uh, they're so delicious and refreshing and can be so creative when you come up with some clever ingredients. And I've got a few picks uh, for that to share with you. I want to hear about your favorite uh, pasta salad uh, concoctions as well. Let's get to it all here in a few minutes. 312-981-7200. Did you finish uh, your homework assignment that I gave you earlier? Which one was that? Uh, we were going to all put together lists of things we, oh. we, <laughs> that we didn't like. That we didn't like. Our, for, our former producer, uh, Ryan Pollock, <laughs> uh, got married to the uh, beautiful and wonderful Alexis. They're now husband and wife. We couldn't be happier. Shwani, Andy, and I were all at the wedding, and uh, we, had, we had a great time. I mean, it was a nice wedding. Right. Yeah, now now you want us to put together a list of things, things we didn't that we like. D- that we didn't like at the wedding. Because <laughs> don't people do that? And then mail it to them, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Well, I thought that I would just call him during the honeymoon. <laughs> well, I still need to know how his uh, reel-to-reel tape recorder Once I'm sure he's fully ensconced in the honeymoon, I thought I'd give him a call. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. Yeah. Andy and Shwani and I were talking about a few things we didn't care for. <laughs> I'm mad that they didn't do the hokey pokey or the chicken dance. Okay, I'll go along with what that. Didn't, what didn't you? Oh, like? I didn't like the fact that there was no clanging of the uh, glasses, with right? The spoons, not enough clanging. That's uh, I did not. I did not appreciate to make that. the bride and groom make yeah. out during right. at the head table. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Mm-hmm. What did Andy? Did Andy say something he didn't like? I, I, he did, but I don't quite remember. I think Andy didn't like anything, really. <laughs> he just kind of sat there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Andy didn't like the squash. We didn't have any squash. Yes, they did. They had grilled. Oh, vegetables. the grilled veggies. Yeah. Okay. They had a, the the food was good. It was like a nice. It was very good. What did you say? It was brisket. I think it was, there was a brisket some, of beef in there and a beef, chicken, beef chicken with uh, potatoes. potatoes. It was fine. And, yeah. Uh, they had grilled vegetables, which were delicious. But Andy is such a picky eater. <laughs> and at one point, he's picking through the he's vegetables, moving things over with his fork like a five year old. <laughs> I'm only going to eat the things that I like. <laughs> I'm not going to eat the squash. I don't want it. I don't like squash. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to put that on the list. <laughs> you can, when you make your website for Reverend Dean Richards, you can put you know just attach. Right things on there i'm gonna put things on there because you go to any wedding you know now that i'm in a uh, what do you call it Uh, like i I can officiate weddings now i officiated ryan's wedding uh i'm gonna i'm gonna we're gonna have weddings for a new generation you know all these wedding sites have all the cutesy little things and i'm gonna put like realistic stuff of flowers you don't like that you do not want to, yeah. to be um my visible. site my site will mostly focus on negative things <laughs> yes that's right <coughs> things that you don't like <laughs> uh so we enjoyed the food i went to a wedding once where they served they had a nice dinner but then you know they do this at a lot of weddings like after after the dancing everything they uh, bring in other food like sometimes they'll bring in pizza or you know like like for an after after party kind, mm-hmm. kind of deal mm-hmm. and i went to one where they they brought like hundreds and hundreds of tacos from taco bell oh wow yeah i, I would have liked that maybe that was uh you know kind of reminiscent of the first date for the uh, couple going to, going to taco bell they but liked I, it i like that idea Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that on my list for Ryan. Not enough tacos. <laughs> How awful would that be if somebody, like at a wedding, everybody submitted a list of things they didn't like? <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't like sitting near Aunt Mildred. <laughs> yes. Or in my case, Schwani was right next to me. I was. I was seated on your right. And I, had and I think they time. did that on purpose. Oh yeah, they had all the the whole. Mm-hmm. We had a Sunday morning table. We did, which is very nice. Yep. Yep. Shwani and I kicking back uh, the the scotch with the scotch and the Johnny Walker, like two old people. <laughs> well, I think we were among the older people in the room. scotch. What are these kids listening to? This was the conversation at our table. Scotch. I don't like squash. And why aren't they clanging the glasses? <laughs> what are they going to do the hokey pokey? No wonder they sat us by ourselves. Nobody wanted to sit with us. Oh, sausage and mustard. 12.41 now, and we continue our food time show. Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. The award-winning All Things Edible program heard every Sunday. And today we wanted to dig into two things. I wanted to dispute... Some stupid national magazine article that I read 
about the best barbecue in America that didn't even include one Chicago place in it. I think we have some of the best in the country. I don't care what this magazine article says. And I want you to call up and tell me your favorite barbecue places. I definitely have some favorites. I'm still a huge fan of Twin Anchors over on Sedgwick Street. I think uh, it's delicious. Uh, The quality of the meat is good. I love, love, love their zesty barbecue sauce. One of my favorites there. I love uh, Uncle Bub's in uh, Westmont. Uh, They have fantastic uh, barbecue there uh, as well. How about you? 312-981-7200. This is Keith on the phone line. And Keith, this place you're about to tell us about, I haven't been there in years, but it's out in Algonquin, right? That's right. It's called the Texan. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's our favorite place. I've uh, had barbecue, uh, you know, Tennessee. I've been everywhere, you know, in the country. And honestly, it's, it's it's my favorite yeah. of all the places I've been to. I, I agree with you a, a thousand percent. Uh, I, I used to have them on the show quite a bit. Really, when we first started doing this food show, I used to have them on quite a bit because uh, when we would talk about chili, they're one of the few places in the Chicago area where you get authentic style, Texas style chili with chunks of beef in it, not ground beef but chunks of beef the way they do it in Texas. Is that right? I didn't even know that. I always get their fall-off-the-bone ribs. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, as, I mean, since I learned about that, then I had their barbecue, and, you know, I've gone through the full menu, and the, the food is delicious. But uh, you want a real deal. I don't know if anyone's going to go for a real, you know, a bowl of chili and june july or august no maybe maybe this fall (laughs) yeah i'm telling you this fall uh get their texas style chili uh and it's so good with these uh you know melt in your mouth uh chunks of beef in it but that's a a fantastic choice uh the texan barbecue in algonquin if you ever go out there uh, tell them that uh, dean from wgn says hello it's been a long time i will and uh you know who was just out here was uh marcus lashak oh really yeah, he visited there the other day, I noticed. Very nice. Yeah, it's good, mm-hmm. good choice, good food. Him and his family were out there, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, Keith. All right, thank you. Take care. Let's get a couple of more picks in here. Uh, Brian, you're on WGN. Your favorite barbecue? Yeah, hey, Dean, I love smoke. Uh, just off of Irving Park there and uh, Pulaski. I don't think it's too far from the WGN studios, but I... I go there for lunch uh, from time to time, and I think I might it might be one of my picks for Father's Day this year. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with barbecue for Father's Day. Smoke is in the old Irving Park neighborhood. It's on uh, Pulaski, just off of Irving Park, maybe a block or two south of uh, mm-hmm. Irving Park. And they do old-school-style smoke barbecue. Uh, as well, uh, they, I've had good barbecue there. It's, I wouldn't put it as one of my favorites, but I know a lot of people like you really, really, really enjoy it. Yeah, they've got a really good uh, pulled pork sandwich, and uh, it's going to be a coin flip between there and Twin Anchors for Father's Day. Yeah, well, you can't. I'll tell you what, you pretty much can't go wrong with either one. Good stuff there. Right. I appreciate the call, Brian. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Dean. Take care. Here's uh, some places coming in on our text line here. Honky Tonk Barbecue in Pilsen uh, has brisket chili. Oh, that sounds good. Brisket chili. uh, Honky Tonk Barbecue in Pilsen. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Q's Barbecue. 
in LaGrange. I think that Q's has other locations. Uh, I want to say, I want to say that I went to one years ago in Oak, the Oak Park area, maybe. I think so. Anyway, Q's Barbecue, it was also very good. Uh, here's one I've never actually been to, but people tell me about patios in uh, Tinley Park all the time. I believe Patio has several locations in the south suburbs, and I can't believe that I've never gone. But uh, when I, whenever I talk about favorite barbecue, uh, people always bring up Patio. Uh, here's another one uh, that says, let's not forget Russell's Barbecue on Thatcher and Elmwood Park. Uh, I was out that way last week, I think I was, uh, and uh, I drove right by Russell's. I... I <laughs> Just so happens I was in funeral, so I couldn't pull over and get some barbecue. I was in the funeral procession, but I drove right by it, and I made a mental note to myself that I hadn't been to uh, Russell's in a long time. Easily, any of the places that we've mentioned so far, easily as good or better than most of the places on this cockamamie national magazine uh, list of the best barbecue in uh, America. Nonsense. Uh, we've we've got uh, great barbecue. I also wanted to touch on uh, pasta salads. As we get into the warmer weather, we're going to want some nice, cool, and refreshing uh, pasta salads to make. I've got a couple of ideas, but Mike, you've got a recipe for one too, right? Oh, yeah. I sure do, Dean. Happy Sunday. Likewise, this, appreciate, uh, appreciate you listening. Yep, and uh, this recipe is really simple. It's a uh, you know chicken ramen soup. Uh, salad, but it's a slaw instead of a salad. What I do is I take the ramen noodles, crunch them up in a bag, okay, uh, and I saute them in butter, dry, not after cooking, okay, but do it dry in butter, brown them up, throw it in some coleslaw, ready-made coleslaw, add in some almonds, some uh, sunflower seeds, and I I like this, uh, and you can buy at the stores, tomato, basil, Sweet onion, Vidalia onion yes. dressing. Yes. And it is so good. And what I take with the packet of that ramen and I throw it in after everything's mixed up. The spice uh, can, the spice mixture, right? Yeah, the chicken packet. Yeah, okay. Throw that in right on top and uh the ramen is gonna get soaked up by that dressing. So the ramen, the noodles themselves that you've crunched up a little bit, those soften right. up and that and that's that's where the pasta comes in in the salad, right? That's where the pasta comes in. Right. But ramen is pasta, so Yeah, so you've got so you've got the the ramen noodles, you've got yep. the crunchy coleslaw, uh and, yep. and the other ingredients. Um that sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. Uh, the almonds yeah. and the sunflower seeds. Oh, that's great. A lot of crunch. And then, you you know, next day or you can do, uh, if you get a roasted chicken, throw some chicken in there. Right. And it's awesome. I'll bet it's even better the next day once all those flavors. Oh, it is. It is. You could, I've eaten it for a week straight. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. that, that sounds good. So, like, one right. one ramen noodle package. Uh, no, about, two of them. I used two oh, of two. them. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Crunch, so that makes. Crunch them up, salt them in butter, you know. Just let them brown up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have right in the coleslaw, ready-made coleslaw, sliced almonds, sunflower seeds, right, and some tomato, basil, so onion dressing. About how many would that feed? Four or five people? You, uh, think? you can get about twelve servings out of it. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I mean, but it'll last a week in the fridge. 
Okay, very good. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I'm going to share uh, my pasta salad recipe in a minute. Mike, have a great day today. I appreciate the call. Uh, and uh, let's get to some more uh, barbecue places and pasta salad recipes. 312-981-7200 is uh, my uh, telephone number. So um, I, I made a pasta salad, uh, I, both on TV, but uh, I made it for some friends, and it was a huge hit. Uh, I took actual pasta noodles. I took the farfalle, the ones that look like bow ties. I like for pasta salads, I like to pick a pasta that will grab on to whatever dressing I put on. Uh, and, you know, even even like a, a noodle or something where the the dressing will go inside the noodles for extra flavor. But these farfalles are so ridged. Uh, they really retain uh, the dressing beautifully. So, you know, you make that like you normally would in water and uh, package directions and all that, and then just set it aside. Uh, in another bowl, then, I took some uh, cherry tomatoes, cut them in half. I took some uh, green peppers and some red bell peppers and cut those up bite size, put those in the bowl with the uh, cherry tomatoes. I put uh, some uh, Kalamata olives, the uh, you know Greek Kalamata olives. You can use black olives if you like. Some people don't like olives at all. You can leave it out. Not a big deal. Honestly, you can put whatever kind of vegetables you want in there. This is what happens to be what I put in. I got a pound of asparagus, threw it on the grill, browned it up a little bit, and then cut those into bite-sized pieces, put that into the salad as well. Then I took the uh, pasta that I had set aside, mixed it in with all the vegetables, and um, also some uh, shrimp. I had uh, grilled up some shrimp, set that aside, and mixed that in with the pasta. So now I've got all the veggies, the shrimp, the pasta, and uh, all I did simply was take some, uh, I made a a very simple uh, vinaigrette dressing. I prefer a vinaigrette dressing on summer pasta salads over mayonnaise because it's lighter, you know, it's a little more refreshing. You don't have to worry about it in the hot sun. Uh, Mix that in with some uh, Parmesan cheese and uh, some uh, roasted uh, pine nuts. I love putting roasted pine nuts uh, in my uh, pasta salad for a little bit of crunch. Major hit. It was delicious. And if you can make it the day before to really let those flavors mingle with each other, it's uh, even better. You can't go wrong. Uh, How about you? Pasta salad recipes, favorite barbecue joints, 312-981-7200 is uh, the telephone number. Wow, the phone lines are going crazy here. Uh, Let me see. Let me... uh, Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people are uh, calling in with their favorite barbecue places. I'm telling you, whenever we've talked about barbecue places, the phone lines go crazy. I always say it's one of the most polarizing subjects you can talk about on WGN. You know, politics, gun control, barbecue. Those are the things that will set your phone lines on fire, very definitely. Um, here's one that is recommending Station One in Plainfield. Okay, I've never heard of it, actually. Uh, everything is amazing, and their sides are fantastic. All right, one to check out. Station One in Plainfield. Leon's Barbecue on the south side. Good ribs and rib tips uh, served with white bread and fries. That's how you know it's good, when you get it with white bread and fries. 
let me see here. We've got um, uh, Saint Saint Julie Billiard. Saint Julie Billiard in Tinley Park is Vietnamese barbecue. I don't know what Vietnamese barbecue is. I'm going to have to learn about that. Uh, Lems on the South Side, family-owned, iconic business. Love their rib tips. Uh, Hillary's in North Chicago is very similar to Heckey's. Well, hey, we have to mention Heckey's, right? In Evanston, it's a, a landmark, and they have absolutely delicious ribs. Uh, they have to be uh, definitely included in all that. And Chuck, how about you? What's your favorite barbecue? Hi there. I like uh, Steamboat Barbecue in Wheaton. Steamboat. It's on Geneva Road, and I believe on Tuesday afternoon they have a food truck in Elgin on um, McLean, uh, further south than uh, closer to South Elgin, maybe. Yeah. But I get the I get the brisket and uh, burnt ends, and my wife gets the ribs, and um, it's very good. Oh, those burnt ends! Aren't those burnt ends? Aren't those the greatest thing ever? I'm trying on clothes for a wedding I got to go to, and. Uh, <laughs> Going into the extended uh, part of my closet. <laughs> yes, I, I have one of those. I think we all have uh, parts of our closet like that. With uh, the, uh, the or as we like to call it, the rib tip section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good, good though. But uh, steamboat. In fact, the owner is from Southern Illinois, and so he has a St. Louis influence. It's oh, okay. very, very good. Steamboat in Wheaton. I'm going to put that on the list next time I'm out that way. I'm going to check it out. Uh, yeah, good luck. At, good luck at that wedding, uh, Chuck. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Thank you for calling in from your submarine. That's what it's. <laughs> that's what that. Then hey, people listen in their submarines on this show. What can I say? We're very popular that way. Uh, yeah, we've got. Oh, boy, we got a lot of places here. Uh, Hillary's uh, on 17th Avenue in Maywood. Uh, Hog Wild. Oh my gosh, Hog Wild. How did I not think of this? I went to Hog Wild for the first time in Midlothian. Uh, maybe a year ago, I went. I took my aunt and my cousin uh, to dinner. They suggested it, and I'm such a big fan of Hog Wild now. Barbecue pork chops, everybody. I mean, they have ribs. They've got all the usual, but they have barbecued pork chops that are out of this world. I don't remember how far, how far south. Might be 143rd, maybe somewhere around there, but it's uh, it's in Midlothian. If you look up Hog Wild in Midlothian, they have some other locations as well. Thank you for that choice, and thank you for reminding me about that.